Yeah. So we love to celebrate life transformation. It's really at the heart of what we're all about here at Northgate. And, and it's at the heart of this series that we've been in this year. Um, it's been called, we've called it Believe, and it's been, we've been using this book as a reference book. And the book is free. If you have not yet picked up your free copy, this is your first time, uh, please stop in, pick up your copy of this book. If you've been coming maybe a couple weeks, but you haven't done it yet, get a hold of the book. Um, it's, it's broken down into three different um, sections. The first section we started at the beginning of this year was what do we believe? What are the essentials of our faith? And then the second part is, is all about how does that belief affect our behavior and our actions? And then this last part, which we're going through right now, these next 10 weeks, we're talking about the people that we're becoming. Because that's the whole idea behind our faith. It's, it, it, this is what we believe, and this is how it changes our behavior. But ultimately, it's all about who we are becoming. And that's the B part of believe. And uh, so the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at a couple of different qualities or characteristics of Christ followers, the things that God wants to build into our lives as we become the people that he intended for us to be. So we talked about love, joy, peace. Last week, Pastor Larry was talking about self-control. Today, we're talking about hope. And hope is a big, big part of our faith. Um, Hope is absolutely essential for our lives. And it's one of those words that, kind of like love, we use it to cover a lot of things. And, and it can be anything from um, just like our personal preferences, like I hope it doesn't rain on my vacation, um, to some of our deepest, um, deepest hopes and desires, like I, I hope the surgery goes well. And it runs that broad spectrum, and it can be anything from, from wishful thinking to some deeply held convictions. And there's a lot of stuff in between there. So when we talk about hope, what is it that we're talking about? When we talk about biblical hope, what is it that we're talking about? And I think it has to do with something that's deep, a deep, deep need in every one of us. I believe that, that hope is absolutely essential to the, to the human spirit. It's the thing that sparks uh, our dreams and our hopes for the future. It's the thing that sustains us through some of the most difficult times of life. It's the thing that keeps us going and moving forward in life. But hope can take a beating. Um, hope through disappointment, through discouragement, through shattered dreams... Um, hope, we can lose hope. And sometimes we can lose hope in an instant. Sometimes it just kind of trickles out slowly. Um, but the, the thing that comes down to all of us is, how do we keep hope alive? How do we keep a sustaining hope? And there is a part that we play in it. And so we're going to take today, we're going to look at two different passages in Scripture. One from the book of Hebrews, which is near the end of your, old, uh, your New Testament. And then we're going to look at another passage that's in Paul's letter to the Roman church. And both of these were uh, addressed to people who were struggling in their faith and beginning to lose hope. So we're going to start, first of all, in Hebrews chapter 6, if you want to follow along there. Um, that's where we are. We're going to begin reading in verse 11. And, and this is what the writer wrote to these, these people who were faltering in their faith and, and beginning to lose hope. He said, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that, you, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherited what was promised. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms that what is said and confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. 
Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. And God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Then Paul wrote to the Roman church, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's hope has been poured, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who he has given to us. Now, truthfully, all of the Bible is a message of hope. And there's a lot of messages of hope throughout Scripture. And I just chose these two because I think in these two, there's a couple of, of, of habits, if you will, um, hopeful habits that will cultivate and, and sustain and nurture hope in your own lives. And, and there are three things that I think are absolutely essential to keeping hope alive in our lives. And the first one is this one, that hopeful people believe in a better future. That hopeful people believe not just in a future, but in a better future. Now, hope, hope is what differentiates us from all the rest of creation. All other creatures live happily from day to day. They have a day to day. Well, maybe not happily. I don't know. I can't speak for them. But they live day to day. They have no sense of the future. But, but God created us human beings with this eternity in our hearts. He created within us this, this sense of a future. And only we as human beings have the ability to think about and dream about and to plan for the future. It's part of how God created us. And by the way, you don't have to be a believer in God to have hopes. It's it's naturally a part of how he created us to be. And and we all have hopes, whether you're a Christ follower or not, whether you believe in God or not. We all have hopes, whether it's hopes for those uh, applications for college that I hope I get that first choice or or maybe... um, Hopes that you have for, for relationships or, or for marriage or for future or, or hopes you have for your career. We all have hopes because we all have dreams about the future. But what distinguishes our hope is, is the hope we have in Christ is a little bit different. Lewis Smeads, um, in his book, talks about differentiating the different characteristics or different qualities or levels of hope. And he broke them down into three basic categories. The first is what he calls um, preference hopes. These are the kinds of hopes that we have that if it turns out, we'll be happy. But if it doesn't turn out what we had hoped, we'll be okay. We'll, we'll survive. Okay? Let me give an example of that. For instance, I had hopes that this time, this year, that San Francisco Giants would be in the, going into the World Series, or at least the playoffs. Because after all, it's an even-numbered year, and they're supposed to be in the playoffs in an even-numbered year, right? Well, those hopes have been dashed, okay? So now I have new hopes because the 49ers have a new quarterback, and Jimmy Garoppolo, he's going to lead us into the playoffs, so I have a whole new set of hopes. Yeah, there's a future now, right? I just transferred my hopes. Now, for those of you who are Raiders fans, it's like, you live with broken hopes, okay? So you kind of get used to this. But for Niners fans, you know, this is a renewed hope for us, okay? So that's what you call preferential hopes. 
It's great if they work out, but if they don't, life will go on and life will still be worth living. Right? That's a preferential hope. Now, there's also what he calls vital hopes. Vital hopes are a lot more, there's a lot more at stake. Vital hopes, vital hopes are the things that, that if they come to fruition, there's a great personal benefit to them. But if they don't, there's also a great personal loss because of them. And those are the kinds of hopes that are a little bit more important. They're the, they're the kinds of hopes that, that are pinned sometimes on like a doctor's prognosis. Or, or maybe if, if your company's going through a downsize or a merger and you're not sure where you're going to fit in this new reality. Or, or those hopes that you have for your children and for their future and their health and their well-being. Okay, Those are what you call vital hopes. And when those hopes are, are, are uh, met with disappointment or, or destroyed, they take a great deal of damage on our hearts. Those are vital hopes. But he says we need a hope even beneath that. And, and he calls them fallback hopes. I, I prefer to call them bedrock hopes. They are the hopes that underlie all other hopes so that when those vital hopes fall apart, there is still hope. That when vital hopes die, Hope itself does not die. It's what we call bedrock, or Smeads calls full fallback hopes. And those hopes, those are the hopes that are closely related to faith. It's the hopes that what we talk about when we talk about biblical hope. It is a hope that sustains us whatever the circumstances, no matter what. And it's the hope that, that the writer to Hebrews is writing about. In fact, he, he, he connects Um, hope and faith so closely in in chapter 11 he puts it this way he said faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see if you've been reading through the book um, this week one of the sections there talked about it this way that 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 hope activates faith and faith deepens hope they work in conjunction with each other And, and that's what we're talking about we're talking about bedrock hope. And we're talking about that, that hope that sustains when all other hopes may die. And that's so connected to our faith. He writes about Abraham. He says, when Abraham was called to go to a place that he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I'll give you an illustration. Hope is like an anchor. Hope is what ties us to the future. God made a promise to Abraham and he set an anchor in his future. He said to Abraham, you are going to be a father of a great nation and I'm going to give to you a land that your descendants will, will inhabit. Now, God made that promise to Abraham That he would be the father of a great nation, but he didn't have any children. And he was 100 years old. (laughs) And he said, and I will give to you this land that every, every, where the sole of your feet trods, that will be your land. But he lived all of his life like a nomad traveling through that land. He had been given an anchor in his future. But he did not realize it. And, And that's what hope is. For us, hope is that anchor in our future that God gives us based on his promises to us. But we live 
on this line called the now and the not yet. It says further of Abraham that after waiting, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That God set this hope before him. And then he goes on and he says, so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. So hope is this anchor that we have in our future, but, but we live on this line of the now and not yet. And so every step of faith that we take draws us closer to that anchor in our future. And that waiting patiently actually has to do with this idea of living with the tension of the now and not yet. And he's saying that's what our hope is. That as, as Christ follows, we believe in a better future. Not just by and by in the sky when I die in the heavens, you know, but, but here and now that God is at work in our lives. And so we live with this anchor in our future, assured of that. But every step that we take of faith is moving us closer and closer to that anger, that, that anchor of, of, of hope. And that's where we live now, between the now and the not yet. That's where we live. And, and so what happens is because we have that anchor and we live with that tension, we still make progress no matter what. And this is important when it comes to the second part in it, because hopeful people endure hardship as a part of the process. Because sometimes that, that line gets very, very tight. It gets very tense. Sometimes we have hopes that don't get realized. Sometimes we have hopes that go through a great difficulty before we get to the realization of them. But in every one of them, God is at work in all of it. Those of you who are not sailors, the other end of this line has a name. Any sailors here? Anybody know what the end of this? It's called the bitter end. Yes. And it's called that because if you lose hold of that one, you're in trouble. (laughs) Dallas Willard says that God's address is at the end of your rope. See, that's what holds us to the future. So we live on this this tension line, if you will. We live through the hardships of life, but that's part of this whole process. Because you see, the hardships and the difficulties of life help us sift out all of these different levels of hope. Because sometimes we put Way too much weight on certain hopes that cannot bear up under that weight. We set our anchors in things that cannot possibly hold us. And sometimes we put our vital hopes in things that are actually only preferential hopes. And we put too much weight on them. And then when they don't come about, we are devastated by them. Sometimes we put our vital hopes in what should be our bedrock hope. And when they don't come about and they crash, we're crushed. And so we need to be able to distinguish what are those hopes because there's such a thing as misplaced hope. Paul wrote to uh, Timothy, a young pastor, and told him, you tell the people in the church, don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. It can't bear the weight. It's uncertain. It, It won't sustain you. You need a deeper hope. And that's what, that's what the sifting out process does. It, it helps us understand what truly are those bedrock hopes for us. And that's what Paul was writing about to the Roman church. 
He said, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. He says there's a progression to all of this. The New Living Translation puts it this way, or the New Life Version. We know that troubles help us learn not to give up. And when we've learned not not to give up, it shows that we've stood the test. And when we stood the test, it gives us hope. What he's saying is this. Because of the cross, and because of what Christ did for us on the cross, we now know that God is good. That God is gracious. That God is faithful. And knowing that, because of the cross, we can take these steps of faith and we can put our hope in that anchor. And each time that we do, it sustains us through the hardships. And we realize, yes, God is good. And yes, God is faithful. And it deepens that hope. And that's how the two work together. It gives us greater strength to endure And it develops this character of hope. And he goes on and he says, and this hope will never disappoint us because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts. That it's all based on the character of God. It's based in the love of God. Because we know that God is good, because we know that God is gracious, because we know that God is faithful, we have hope. And that hope gives us the ability to hold on through the storms of life because the anchor will hold. Because not all hopes are realized. And not every dream materializes. And so our life in this world really becomes a series of, of readjusting our hopes. When one hope that we put too much weight on falls through, we need that other hope. Last weekend, we had the opportunity. Some friends of ours have a place up in Tahoe, and they invited us up for the weekend, so we got to get away last weekend. Wonderful, beautiful country up there. And just um, on Saturday morning, we went on a hike. And the hike we went on, no one had ever walked, walked through that hike completely. We were told that it, it loops all the way around and comes back to where you ended up. But it's about a five-mile hike. And so we started out on this hike, and we're walking, and parts of the path were two by two, and then it got down to, like, single file. And so we're, we're walking, in and we just keep going away from, you know, where the car was. We just keep going further and further away. And I keep thinking, okay. And, and we took turns kind of taking the lead on the single file path. Um, and, and so, we're, you know, I'm up in front, and we're, it's, like, getting further and further away. And we've been walking, like, for a while now. And I keep thinking, okay, around the next bend, it's going to start to turn, and we're going to start heading back, you know. And so, you know, saying, well, maybe we should turn around. Maybe we should go back because we know, we know the path we are on. We know that'll get us back. And no, no, no. It's just around the next bend. And then we get around the next bend and it wasn't the place where it turned around, you know? So it's like, well, I think it's just, no, I can see it's just over that next rise. I think it's over the next rise. So we're walking a little bit and we get over the next rise. No, it's not turning, you know? So we just kept going and just keep thinking. We're just adjusting our hopes along the way, <laughs> right? Eventually, we got to a point where actually... The trail did turn upward and start bending back, and we did get back safely, okay? But when you're in the middle of that and you don't know, you're tempted to just turn around and go back. So in the same way, we had to kind of adjust our hopes each time hope disappointed. So it is in our lives. And sometimes those things that we put too great a hope in prove themselves to not be worthy of that weight, So we adjust our hopes, but the hardship, that's part of the process. Finally, what we want to get to is that bedrock hope, which is in God himself. 
that hopeful people put their trust in the character of God. Because more important than anything that we hope for is the one that we hope in. And that's the bedrock hope, if you will. That's, that's where our faith goes. Because he's the ultimate source of our hope. And if you think about that, anytime somebody makes you a promise, that promise is only as good as the character of the person who made the promise. When God makes his promises to us, that's only as good as his character. And that's why it talks about that God made this oath to Abraham. It says, because he, God wanted to make his unchanging nature of his purposes very clear to his heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. He said, the writer says, everybody swears by something bigger than themselves or something greater than themselves, someone greater than themselves to, to settle the issue and to, to, to avoid all arguments. But God didn't have anybody bigger than him to swear by. So he swore by himself. That's what he's saying. That God said, here I am. I'm making this promise. Now, again, that promise is only as good as the character of one who makes it. A... Is he, is, is he of the character, a noble character that you know he keeps his promises? And B, is he of the strength that he can sustain the promises that he makes? And so when God says, I'm making this, this vow, this oath on myself, what he's saying is, trust in me. Put your hope in me. And it goes on, he says, since it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled take hold of the hope set before us that we may be greatly encouraged. He gave us two things. He gave us his character and he gave us his promises. And his character is that he is good, that he is love, that he is gracious, that he is faithful. And his promises are, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always forgive you. I will always be with you. And those two things, his character and his promises, are the things that give us hope. That becomes the basis of our hope. Not in the things that we're hoping for from him, but in God himself. And when we do that, it changes absolutely everything. Because here's the difference that it makes. When I know that my hope is in God, then the way that I approach circumstances is completely different because I have an eternal hope. I have an eternal perspective on it, which means, which means that I don't put too much hope into things that could disappoint me. And when things don't work out the way that I hope for, it doesn't devastate me because my hope is in someone greater and a future greater than whatever circumstances I'm going through right now. It changes the way that I, that I handle my resources. I can live a generous life because God is my ultimate supply and source. God is my provider. So I don't have to hold on and amass and, 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 and just hoard to myself everything for my own security. I can live a generous life because I know God is generous with me. I can be generous with others. It changes my relationships. It changes my relationships with other people because I can truly love extravagantly. I can even love my enemies because I know how powerful the love of God can work in somebody's life. I can forgive someone no matter what they've done to me, no matter how deeply they have hurt me. I can still forgive because I know that the grace of God that's forgiven me is a powerful, powerful thing that can change people's lives. So I live differently. I live with a hope that I am becoming the person that he intended me to be all along. 
And so even when I mess up along the way and, and struggle through some things and, and fail for some times, I still know that God is still at work in my life and he works good in all circumstances. See, it changes everything about how I live my life. That's how hopeful people live. And when you live that way, what it does is it opens your eyes to see God at work all over the place. Some 28, almost 29 years ago now, we had this hope and this dream for a church that would be like, unlike other churches, that would be a church where anybody could come, whether they were a believer or not, and find a place of welcome, acceptance, and, and, and find a place to discover their relationship with God. And, and it was only, you know, 13 of us all together, myself and 12 other adults, five kids. And, and, and all we had was this hope. We're meeting in our living room. But we had this hope and this dream. And so in faith, we took these steps of faith. And what happened along the way and what has continued to happen for the last 28 years is God shows his faithfulness in so many different ways, whether it was financial needs, whether it was a ministry need, whether, whatever it might have been, through difficult times, through stressful times, it is that hope that has sustained us, sustained me personally. And through the process, having the chance to see God at work here and there and showing up over and all along the way. And when you live with hope, you begin to recognize the hand of God all around you. And it changes everything. That's why hope is so essential to your soul. Lewis Smedes puts it this way. The most important thing we ever hope for from God is God himself. Not necessarily for him to take our troubles away, but to be there. Under us to hold us up, ahead of us to lead the way, behind us to push us along, and in us to keep our hopes alive. Or as the writer of Hebrews puts it, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Would you bow your heads with me? Because of Jesus Christ. Because of what he did on the cross, we have an eternal hope. And it's not just something far off in the future. It is something that's a part of our lives every day. And maybe you're here this morning and you're facing what seems to be a hopeless situation. Maybe you're going through a difficult time and you wonder if God's going to show up. Maybe you have hopes and dreams and you're not sure if it's misplaced hope or not. I'm going to tell you, underneath all of your hopes, there is a bedrock hope available. And whether it's something about your future or a difficulty you're going through right now, His hope will sustain you. You can trust Him. You can trust His character. You can trust His promises. And maybe you're here today and you don't know that kind of a hope. You've never put your faith and trust in Christ. I'm going to tell you, there's a God who loves you, who, who has hopes for you. And it's so important, you are so important to him that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and gave his life on a cross so that you could live in a hope of eternity. And whether it's a first-time step of faith trust today or, or just a new area of your life or a difficult area of your life that you're learning to let go of I'm going to invite you to just make this your prayer as we close 
And it's simply this, Lord, I want your hope in my life. I need that bedrock hope that will sustain me through anything. And I know I can't do this life on my own, and I've got enough in my past to prove I can't do this. I'm putting my hope and my faith and my trust in you. Would you take me just the way that I am? Would you fill me with your spirit, with the hope that comes with that? As I put my trust in you, in Jesus' name, amen.